Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, October 9th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as Hurricane Delta approaches the Louisiana coast, we look at how the weather event will affect parts of Mississippi. Then, how state leaders are preparing to respond to the storm. Plus, the two Legislative Education Committee chairs address the concerns of Mississippi's school communities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hurricane Delta is expected to make landfall today before bringing wind and rain to western Mississippi this weekend. And for the latest on Delta, we check in with the National Weather Service in Jackson. Joining us now, meteorologist Daniel Lamb. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Karen. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty pretty well. What is the current status? What is the strength of of Delta? And what do you expect the strength to be as it comes ashore later today? Well, right now... Delta is still a major hurricane with maximum sustained winds of 120 miles an hour. It's uh, just to the south of the southwestern Louisiana coast, kind of due south of Lake Charles. The good news is it's probably as strong as it's going to be from here on out. It will likely be kind of on a slow weakening trend through landfall. Uh, Unfortunately, though, there's still going to be some considerable impacts down in an area that was already hit very hard previously. Uh, as far as our area goes, though, the, the center is going to make landfall early this evening, maybe shortly after sunrise, again down in that southwest Louisiana area. And uh, the system will weaken to a tropical storm as it starts to move northeast across central Louisiana. And then uh, as we that will be kind of overnight. And then as we get into the day tomorrow, the center will move across um, our delta, you know, the system's named Delta, but it's also going to, the center's going to track across the Mississippi Delta um, tomorrow afternoon into the evening, and then kind of pulling out of the state on Sunday. Um, as far as impacts go, though, we, we, you know, impacts aren't just limited to the area right around the center. You can see impacts farther away, and uh, there's already been some heavy rain overnight last night, but we really expect things to start to kind of ramp up um, across more of the state kind of later on uh, this afternoon. You said uh, that um, it would be a tropical storm moving across Louisiana. Will it become a tropical depression or less than that as it moves into Mississippi? Yes, it will continue that weakening trend. So by the time the center actually reaches uh, the Mississippi River, it will probably be a depression. Um, However, with it still being a tropical storm over Louisiana, some of those tropical storm force winds uh, could easily make it up into the southwestern part of the state. 
uh, areas like Natchez and Butte and on up towards the, the Vicksburg area before the system weakens enough for those winds to fall below tropical storm thresholds. We have rain already through much of the state today. Uh, expected a little bit of wind increase, rain and thunderstorms tonight in the overnight hours. Is that all due to Delta? Yes, yes. That's all associated with Delta. As you mentioned, we already have some, some of the initial rain bands that have been pushing across the area. Uh, we expect the coverage of those showers to increase through the day, and especially tonight. Tonight's really when uh, a lot of the heavier rain is going to start to push into the state, and we may have some rain bands that kind of kind of drag over the same areas for extended periods of time. So that's why we could potentially have some flash flooding concerns. Um, our area of greatest concern for any flash flood issues is mainly across the western part of the state, uh, kind of closer to the Mississippi River, and then as we go into Saturday and Sunday across northern parts of the state. Are there any threats of tornadoes? There is. Uh, pretty much any time you have a tropical system like this with a large wind field, uh, you're going to get a, a pretty significant amount of shear, what we call wind shear in the atmosphere, and that just makes it really easy for tornadoes to spin up, even when you don't have a particularly strong thunderstorm. So that's always something we have to watch for. And uh, in the case of Hurricane Delta, uh, across South Mississippi, there's already some potential for some uh, for a few tornadoes uh, during the day today. And then tonight, that threat will kind of translate northward and include encompass uh, a larger portion of the state uh, and continuing on into the early part of the day on Saturday as well. It seems unusual that we're not talking about the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. Is Has that been spared, or is there still a concern of storm surge? Yeah, the, the fortunate thing is since this system is tracking farther to the west, um, the impacts won't be as significant along the coast. Uh, however, there will be some uh, limited amount of su- storm surge along the Mississippi coast. Uh, right now we're expecting one to three feet of surge to be possible. So uh, some some coastal flooding issues are possible as well down there. Um, but again, with the center of the, tr- the system tracking farther to the west, uh, that's going to spare the coast from larger impacts. You know, Hurricane Sally came across in Cameron Parish, Lake Charles specifically, like right in that area. And that's where it looks like Hurricane Delta is coming ashore. Is there anything, any sweet spot about that area that attracts hurricanes, or at least this year? Not specifically. It's just a, it's really kind of a, an unfortunate situation that, that that's occurring. And that's, that's very rare, you know. I mean, there are certainly places along the coast that have been hit multiple times, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I ever recall that happening within the same season, especially... Uh, two systems that, you know, were this strong. Of course, this one doesn't look like it'll be quite as strong as Sally was. Sally was kind of intensifying as it made landfall. This one might be doing the opposite. But the fact that that area has already been hit hard, uh, you know, it's not going to take as much for impacts to occur because there are a lot of structures there that are already weakened. So that is a very unfortunate situation. Certainly. And we have a lot of hurricanes in the Gulf this year, and they strengthen rapidly. What is the reason for that? Yeah, so we're in a pattern right now uh, we call La Nina, and what that has done is that has uh, created a situation where the ocean, including the Gulf of Mexico, 
has been a lot warmer, and that's really the energy source for these tropical systems is the ocean. All of the, the heat from the warm waters creates lift, and that lift is what results in the development of thunderstorms and the uh, eventual uh, strengthening of these systems as well. So warm uh, ocean waters, and then the other thing is the, the wind shear has been relatively low. Uh, when you have uh, strong wind shear, it makes it difficult for these systems to develop in the first place or it can cause them to fall apart. And so the wind shear has been a lot weaker, and that's created an environment that's been favorable for for these systems to not only develop but also at times to intensify very quickly. Meteorologist Daniel Lamb with the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thanks so much, Daniel. Thanks, Karen. Coming up, how state leaders are preparing to respond to the storm. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are Now You Could Drive In Theater. We're the last operating drive in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freaked me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi has seen a number of close calls this hurricane season, and now Hurricane Delta is the latest in a number of tropical cyclones to threaten the Gulf states. Officials are asking residents to be on high alert as Hurricane Delta moves towards landfall. Governor Tate Reeves has declared a state of emergency as the storm is expected to cross into Mississippi sometime tomorrow. Greg Michelle, director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, says preparations for the storm began earlier this week. Our current posture, since Tuesday, we have delivered approximately 161,000 sandbags as part of the uh, local preparation in response to uh, storm surge, flooding, flash flooding, and the effects of hurricane. State search and rescue assets have been and still are on standby to respond to affected counties within Mississippi or also either to respond to our neighbors in Louisiana that are currently slated to get the brunt of the storm. The Mississippi Army National Guard, uh, as the governor's already mentioned, we've got three composite teams that are going to be prepared to respond uh, over into Pike County uh, and stage there in the event that our more affected counties from the uh, wind threat uh, and to respond and support them as necessary. There are currently 11 shelters that are on standby. Uh, There are about three of those shelters that are prepared to go uh, live tomorrow to be open if necessary to support individuals seeking refuge and provide shelter for evacuees. The medical needs shelter in Wiggins, Mississippi, will open at 9 a.m. as a precautionary measure to take on medical needs patients there. Hurricane watches and warnings are something coastal residents are familiar with, but Governor Reeves says residents in the western parts of the state should be weather aware. Oftentimes when we think hurricane, we think the three coastal counties or maybe the six coastal counties. Uh, The reality is this particular storm Uh, There are certainly risks on the coast, uh, particularly tornadic activity in Pearl River and and Hancock County is very possible. Uh, But as this this particular storm delta uh, is tracking, the highest risk in Mississippi are in our southwest counties, uh, in and around Natchez and Adams County, uh, as well as up through the delta where we are anticipating not only 50 to 65 mile an hour winds, 
but also the potential of two to four inches of rain in a relatively quick period of time. Uh, that can certainly lead uh, to uh, rising water, which we all know rising water is extremely dangerous. And so the thing that I would p- want to point out today more than anything else is that just because you're not in our um, coastal counties does not mean that you're going to be spared uh, over the next 72 hours. There's going to be a lot of rain in Mississippi. Uh, there is the potential for tornadoes, particularly um, of course, in Hancock and Pearl River, but also in those six southwestern counties uh, that Greg mentioned earlier. And so be weather aware. With heavy rainfall expected in the northwestern part of the state, a perpetually flooded region could see more water. But Director Michelle says the negative effects of the storm shouldn't be too severe. Based on the amount of rain that we're projecting right now, we don't anticipate Uh, a lot of major negative effects on that that's already there now. Uh, Of course, any rain that goes into that area um, is always something that we consider. But right now, it's not considered uh, to be an issue, um, both the amount of rain and the amount of time that this storm is expected to hover over that area. Now, as the governor's already mentioned, uh, anything can change over the course of the next 24 hours. A lot of it's going to depend on how strong this storm is before it makes landfall. There's a very narrow window of, uh, of cooler waters between the, the Gulf and landfall where this storm is going to rapid go down. So depending on how strong the storm is, it's going to have all the second and third order effects to the rain, amount of rain, amount of wind to the state. But that's always a concern. But right now, we don't see it as being a major effect. The state is bracing for more tropical weather as the state continues to see a leveling off in its fight against coronavirus transmission. The Department of Health has reported in excess of 500 cases three days in a row. Governor Reeves says this trend is expected. If you look at our cases, um, we have been relatively flat for the last four weeks. We saw significant declines from a 1,392 uh, cases per day, seven-day average, back in late July, uh, down to uh, somewhere just below uh, 500 cases per day. So basically have cut it in half. Uh, We're continuing to monitor it. I will tell you that the Tuesday number, which was the highest number we've had in in some period of time, uh, there was a data dump from a private lab. Um, All of those cases did not, were not positive cases from Monday. Um, And so just to to be aware, but we we haven't uh, seen a significant decline. Our schools are open. Our colleges are open. Uh, We are allowing uh, all of our private sector businesses to be open. And what that has, um, the, the, the end result of that is we have, after significant declines from 9,400 cases over seven days in late July, uh, down to a, between three and between 3,000 and 3,600 cases in the last four weeks, has been a relative leveling off. We certainly hadn't seen a spike. We really haven't even seen uh, a significant uptick, uh, but we haven't continued to see significant downticks either, um, and that shouldn't be uh, overly surprising, nor should it be overly concerning. Reeves also says pandemic guidance is likely to change as it has since March 11th with data driving any decisions. I would simply say we're, we're, we're pretty likely to change it over time. We've done it um, many times in the last seven months, and we're going to let the data drive the decision, not the politics. Uh, and we're going to do what's right for, uh, for Mississippians. Uh, as a reminder, I continue to believe strongly that the, uh, the, the best thing for our state is for the most people to do 
to make the most right decisions as is possible. Uh, and we're continuing to strongly encourage uh, Mississippians to wear a mask, to stay socially distanced, to limit the crowd size, uh, but also uh, to be very vigilant and, and diligent in everything that you do, recognizing and just assuming that whomever you come in contact, assume that they have the virus and take the necessary precautions to protect yourself. That is particularly true if you are in that more vulnerable category. Mississippi has reported 102,819 cases of COVID since March 11th, with over 3,000 related deaths. Reported COVID hospitalizations have risen since October 3rd. Coming up, the two Legislative Education Committee chairs address the concerns of Mississippi school communities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Education in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic has advocates seeking answers about a range of issues from legislators, including getting devices to students for distance learning. The Parents' Campaign held a Zoom meeting yesterday with House Education Chair Richard Bennett and Senate Education Chair Dennis DeBar. DeBar says he appreciates educators for the challenges they have had to face during this pandemic. I've come to realize how important and uh, teachers really are, and educators really are. And I compare what they do to what first responders do. They're in the classroom every day, dealing with students, um, especially in this COVID era, what a difficult task they have, and uh, being careful and being safe. Um, And so I appreciate everything that y'all do. Um, I'd also like to uh, say, this is my first year as education chairman. And so um, I'm not an expert in this field. Like Richard said, uh, I have a criminal justice background. So I rely on people like Nancy and all of the education groups out there uh, to, to help educate me. And so I appreciate what y'all do. Um, it's a blank slate. You know, the, the past few years, maybe eight years I've been in legislature, it's kind of been some friction. And my goal, at least for this term, is to reduce that friction to listen to everybody and do what's best. So thank you for what you do. K-12 education received about $2.2 billion for fiscal year 2021. DeBar says lawmakers allocated $350 million to education from the CARES Act Relief Fund for devices and Internet access. Bennett says Mississippi has led the way in supporting distance education. I think that we have been the blue ribbon for the nation. Uh, Other states are looking at us. And we jumped out there early. I know a lot of school districts wanted to order their own stuff, but their own devices, different devices. But we set a bill out that all the devices would be bought under one contract. That way we were able, people are months and months behind on getting devices in other states. Ours are all in the United States. They're sitting here. 
Some school districts have already gotten them. They're going to be rolling them out every week. It's a huge process. There's 130 people sitting, being hired right now, sitting and working in the warehouse to get these devices out. The, the big thing about it is we have a lot of uh, support service with this device. It's not like just handing a kid a device. There's support service for the parents. There's support service for the teachers. There's training. And there's insurance on these devices, and I'm really proud of how it's worked. Again, getting um, getting Wi-Fi or getting uh, connectivity to every house is still going to be a challenge for Mississippi. It's, it's a challenge for all the states. We're not the only one with that challenge. But we're looking at um, that bill was not the bill that uh, the, the Wi-Fi part of it, the um, – that was not a bill that Dennis and I handled. Dennis and, and I handled the devices, but that also is going well. And I think there's people in remote areas. There'll be cellular service for those people. And uh, I, I'm very proud. I think in the long run, when this is over, people's going to look back and see that Mississippi was a leader in this. Testing and accountability in an uncertain time is a concern for teachers. DeBar says the Mississippi Department of Education is considering ways to adjust how testing is used in accountability models. I was encouraged to hear MDE state during the budget hearings last week, joint legislative budget hearing, that they're looking at ways to decouple the testing from the accountability, uh, which is good to hear. I think it's my concern is you have folks students that are distance learning this semester and they want to come back in January, then how do you catch those kids up if they're behind and prepare them for testing? And so uh, I think we need to have testing just to see how the kids have done with this distance learning, this COVID era. And, but uh, I think it'd be hard and maybe unreasonable to hold schools and, and teachers accountable with all these varying uh, variables that we have going into the testing uh, starting next spring. Teacher shortages are also an issue. DeBar says the state needs to find ways to attract more teachers. One of the biggest deterrents is the low salary. Lawmakers tried to pass a raise for teachers before the pandemic hit, but Bennett says the most effective thing is for teachers to make their voices heard at the local level. We do have the federal government breathing down our neck right now on corrections. There's there's going to be a priority to put some money in corrections. DHS, we have a problem with foster kids and the, and the uh, DHS workers there. So the, the federal government is looking at that. But I assure you that Dennis and I priority is to try to continue to raise teacher salary, not only to the southeastern average, but to bypass that to get ahead of it. And um, and, and, it, and it is going to be a um, a struggle. We are a poor state. Uh, we put a lot of money, but let me say this about the pay raises. Teachers need to get involved locally in the local school board. When I was on the school board, teachers came wanting a supplement from the local school boards. Mississippi pays a larger percentage to teachers than just about any other state because most of that money comes from local. I look, I look around, and Dennis has heard me say this many times. I think Nancy has heard me say this also. I'll hear a district come and complain about money, and the first thing I say is, take me to your athletic facilities. Let me look at those facilities. 
and they'll have state-of-the-art junior college facilities, and they won't have the devices, the computers and stuff for the kids in the classroom. I don't get it. I come from, I was on a school board where we're a poor district in a rich county, and we have one of the largest local supplements in the state. At one time, I don't think we're there now, but at one time we were the 11th highest teacher in the state. Pastor Stan is the highest uh, highest paid teacher in the state. I'm not saying don't come and call your legislature and stay on them and make sure it's a priority for them, but do it locally too. Don't let the money be, be appropriated where the priorities, get the priorities where they should be in that classroom, in teacher salaries. So I'm telling you, I don't know, I don't know if teachers are hesitant today to go to their local school boards. They're worried about their principal superintendent. I hope that's not the case. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you would make an impact by showing up at your local school board. Bennett also says the Mississippi Adequate Education Program is flawed, but the legislature will work to put as much money into education as possible. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.